good morning. If you've got a Bible, if you'll grab it, turn to the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> chapter 5. You know, when, the, uh, when a preacher starts getting a cold, um, you know, feeling under the weather, there's two types of people. Um, those that might say, hey, what do you need, cough drop? There's others who might say, so the sermon's going to be a little shorter Sunday. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I'm not going to say any names, but you, you know who you are. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm going to do my best. I, I joke, but I, I ask that you bear with me. I, I expect to squeal a couple of times <clears throat> and have to cough and maybe drink some, some coffee or something this morning. But bear with me. I think the Lord's got a good message for us today. Hebrews chapter 5. We're in our, our series called Turning Points, this open-ended series. I honestly don't know how long it's going to take. God kind of keeps bringing new things. Uh, we started after the new year of looking at areas of our life, not just to try to make resolutions after the new year, but Little turning points, if we will grasp onto these truths that they could be turning points of a massive change in our life that might follow up with other things we need to do or not do differently. Uh, we talked in week one that God's given us all we need for productive, holy lives. <clears throat> excuse, me, excuse me, from being ineffective and unproductive, that actually comes up. Week two, we looked at Colossians about how we're made complete, we're brought to fullness. Last week in Revelation chapter three, we looked at the church of Laodicea, that was the wealthy church, had everything it needed. But what it lacked was intimacy with Jesus. The church had distanced themselves from God. Their budget was met. They had all the money they needed. They had everything they could do. But their dependency and intimacy with Jesus was lacking. And the prayer last week was that we would never become that church, that you and I would never become those kind of believers. That would become independent and lean on other things rather than on him. And today we're going to kind of talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to talk about what it means to grow beyond our comfort. This idea of comfort zones and maturing in our faith, it's all kind of combined together. I hinted at this topic last week and a couple things on the screen um, as we talked about being lukewarm, which didn't mean you're not on fire for Jesus. You can listen to that last week. It meant that you've, you pushed the, the source away. The lukewarm church is not one that's just, you know, I'm not on fire anymore. It's the one that's distanced themselves from God and you're not at the source anymore. A lukewarm, look, Francis Chan has two things and this is kind of ties us into today. A lukewarm people, they call radical what God expects his followers to do. That's crazy. You want me to get up on a Sunday morning and go to church? You want me to do this? You want me to read? You want to, whatever God might calling of you, I'm just listing examples. That's crazy. That's for the radical Christians. No, that's what God expects. The second one, which kind of led to today, was lukewarm people are continually concerned about playing it safe. They're the slaves of the God of control. They focus on safe live, living that keeps themselves from sacrificing for God. <clears throat> when I talk about comfort zones, it's this idea of self-imposed limitations where you tell God, and I tell God in my life, this is where I'm at. You want Anything you want to me, I'm willing to, but it's right in here. And I just want to challenge us to we get into the text that maybe God might be calling us to out there somewhere else. So today's text, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to ask that you stand, save my voice to try to get to this. I asked Deb if he would read our text and then for me. Um, he's going to read our text. We're going to be Hebrews chapter 5, looking at verse 11, and we're going to go all the way through 612. So if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. But Deb, if you will read this for us, and then I'll pray for us. and we'll. <clears throat> About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who, uh, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For if it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain uh, that falls on, that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. Things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same uh, earnestness to have the same full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not uh, be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Amen. Let's pray together. If you would take a moment and pray for yourself, pray for me, if you don't mind. We'll cover this lengthy text. We're going to focus on some others and cover some other quickly, but you ask your own heart and your own way for God to do something fresh and new today, um, that we would all be changed and different. Father, you've heard your people. You know our hearts. I thank you for this privilege to come into this place and um, to gather as you've called us to, to put ourselves in a place to, to worship you and give you praise and glory and to receive from you. Father, I'm humbled at the task yet again to get to stand up here and speak, and I pray that you would help my voice um, not be a distraction, that we could all be changed by you. Ask all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I'll tell you a story of a man um, who joined a church in 1998. He attended a church faithfully, and he sat, he listened, he learned, he got more involved over the course of that year. Um, And then over the course of that first year, what typically happens is somebody in the church said, hey, we can need some help, we need some help in certain areas. And the conversation with the youth pastor at that church at the time asked this man, said, hey, we need some help with our kids. Would you want to help? And like most people, he said, I'm allergic to teenagers. I don't do that. That's for somebody else. That's somebody else's calling. Um, so he prayed about it, thought about it, and then um, as time went on, <clears throat> I don't know if the youth pastor talked him into it or if he decided to do it, but he stepped in. Um, in 1999, <clears throat> the youth pastor convinced him. He started serving. I've spoken with this man before. His name is Stephen. He's in Denver City. Um, For the past 25 years, Stephen has been serving faithfully in the youth ministry and is still there as we speak right now. I confirmed this with the secretary there as I talked because I wanted to get my ducks in a row. Stephen was serving in the church before I got to Denver City a long time ago to be the youth pastor there. 
And my good friend that was there before him is the one who talked him into this. And Stephen got there, and he was serving and going. When I got there, there was this man named Stephen um, that was already serving, already teaching, already doing these things. And he would be the first one to say, I don't know how to do this. I've never taught a class. I've never done anything. I'm scared to death to get in front of people, and I don't want to do it. But for some reason, he stepped in and said, yes, he went beyond, no curveballs here. He stepped out beyond what he was comfortable with. And for the past 25 years, even on this very Sunday morning, he's still serving. Over the course of those years, the church recognized his service and saw that. They elected him as a deacon. Not to mention, was he playing the bass guitar every Sunday? He helped lead worship with me on, on, in the basement on, sun, on Wednesdays. He played in the praise team on Sunday morning, so two practices a week. He taught a Sunday school class. Not to mention, had a wife, a child, and a full-time job in the oil field. And after I moved and came here, when you guys called me to be your pastor, he served basically as the interim youth pastor and did everything a full-time youth pastor would do in doing everything I just said. Stephen embodied what it looks like for somebody to step outside of where they typically would feel comfortable with doing it. Some might argue and say, well, if he didn't do it, somebody else would do it. Somebody else would step in. That's great. But for the past 25 years, God has used him to bless others and the church and do so many other things. He reminded me of another, uh, uh, several quotes today, but Francis Chan said this about what God calls us to, that God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls, calls excuse me, to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we are in trouble he doesn't come through. My, my question today as we begin is this. When is the last time? This is hard on my heart as well because I'm, I, I, sometimes I like, to, I like to fall back. This is what I'm, I like to do. This is what I feel called. I'm good at. These are my gifts. And sometimes even we can justify our gifts and abilities of thinking, well, I don't do that. When's the last time that you maybe stepped out and said, man, I, I know God's been working on me to do this or say this or go here or do this, whatever it could be. But you still haven't done it yet, for whatever reason it is. When's the last time you put yourself in a position where you, you can't just lean on your abilities to think, yeah, I, I can do this, I can speak, I can sing, I can share, I can talk, all the things that you're good at. When's the last time you put yourself in a spot where you had to do something you're not good at, something that you're not gifted at, something that if God doesn't show up, it is not going to happen. If you're like me, so often the, the times are, are small. Why? Because you're, maybe you're like me, maybe probably better than me, but I like to think, well, let me look and see, well, this is what I'm good at. This is what God has called me to do. This is what I feel led to do. All those things, I've used those too. God, God's not calling me to work with kids. <laughs> I'm, alert. I'm just kidding. I want you to think about that, that little barometer, whatever you call it, about when's the last time we put ourselves in a spot where, God, if you don't show up, I don't care if it's raising my kids, if we do this, I don't care if it's sharing my faith, Jumping into a small group. I've never done that before. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna, I'll live my church my whole life, but I'm not doing it. Reading my Bible, praying, talking about people, talking to Jesus. I mean, whatever it could be. If you don't show up, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I want you to think about that as we look at our text. Look at verse 11. <clears throat> the author of Hebrews has been talking quite a bit about Jesus, the great high priest, uh, uh, about what he's, he's better than, than anything. He's the high priest. He is all that we need, and he's talking to people that are in temptation to fall back to Judaism, to people that are, are thinking, maybe, maybe I need to fall back to this other stuff that I came from. And look at verse 11. We're going to go through this pretty quickly, and I apologize. i got to drink some coffee here. Look at verse 11. <clears throat> As we look at growth and maturity, he says in verse 11, he says, we've got a lot to say about this, but it's 
hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand or you are dull of hearing. That's very important. If you don't have that part of dull of hearing, you need to understand that. But the this part, we have much to say about this. Jesus is greater than everything. He's our great high priest. He's our all-sufficient Savior. What the author is right off the bat saying is this. I'm trying to tell you something. This is a stern warning. He's trying to tell these people that have come from Judaism, that have come to faith in Christ, you're not listening. You're dull of hearing. What that means is there's nothing wrong with their physical ears. It means that there's something wrong with their heart, that their heart is not diligent, their heart is not eager, their heart is not willing, their heart is not even desiring to hear. Even on a Sunday morning like this, many in the room could be dull of hearing where what I'm saying, though it's croaky and kind of weird, can wash over you like TV. It's not because you can't hear me, it's because something in your heart is drawn to something else and you don't really want to hear it. And you know why I know that? Because I've done that. I, this is where God has smashed me all week about this because I remember what it's like to live it's before a pastor when I get to get, get on the stage. I remember what it's like to sit in a pew, be it a Wednesday or a Sunday, and hear something, but my heart is not really in it. I remember and know that even right now, as a pastor that I could preach and teach, I could be in a place where my heart is drawn somewhere else and I am dull of hearing, and it may not be, I don't think I'm alone in this. The, the author is writing powerfully saying, you're not listening. You don't want to hear it because your heart is not willing. The angst and the tone in this is pretty strong because this, this promises that are to come. There's no passion. There's no lover's embrace. There's no cherishing of, of what God is wanting to do. That's what dullness of hearing is. As if to say, the author says, I want to show you so much about Jesus Maybe some parents in the room, we did a dedication. Maybe you resonate, you're trying, you want your kids to know, you're like, I want to show you so much. I want you to hear this. I want to take you to the deep end of the pool and take the floaties off and, and understand all these things. I want you to know about this journey of faith in Jesus, but there's nothing there. There's no excitement. There's no enthusiasm. You stop growing. You become stagnant. And the, those right here in this context, they become stagnant. The writer presses deeper in verse 12. He says, in fact, we'll spend some time here. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Look at your Bible here. It says, in fact, right now, some of you ought to be teachers. And that's not just a, a good example. But you still need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. And the emphasis here is, again, this is a recurring thing. This is not a one-time deal. You need this again. You still need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by, this is important, constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. We're going to go quickly on some of the rest. In verse 12, he's saying, some, so many of us should be here, but you're still here. Now, I don't think this text is specifically just about, hey, you ought to be teaching by now. We need more teachers. This is not a ploy to say we need more people to teach. My question is, back when I first started, you should be here. God's calling you here, but you're still here. Whatever that could be. It, it could be something that nobody else knows about you. Maybe your spouse doesn't know about you. Nobody knows about you. But in the spiritual journey of your life, and when you come to faith in Christ, where you are right now, you feel in your angst that you should be somewhere else, and you know why. He said, you still need a bottle. And you need it again. 
And the reason, church, I think this is so important, and the reason I think that this could be a massive turning point for so many is that so often we try to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start this, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to do this, but what if we just finally got to the point where we realized that the reason I'm not where I need to be is because I've, I've kind of self-imposed these comfort zones, and God has been calling me here for so long. But I've said no for so long. No, God, that's not what I'm supposed to, boo, supposed to do. Excuse me. That's the warning that he's pressing that you ought to be doing this, but you need it over and over and over again for you. If you can hear my voice, croaky or not, if you can hear my voice, it may be different from anybody else in this room. My question to you is just be thinking about what is God calling of you? Where is he leading you to go? It's not where you've been right now. It's not where you've been yesterday. It's, it, the spiritual maturity of discipleship is to grow further and further in your faith. Some of you know Jesus probably for 50 years. Let me, let me talk about me. I came to faith at nine years old, made a, made a lot of bad decisions, struggled in faith. God had to do a lot of hammering on me, a lot of chiseling on me. But I'm 46, 46, right? 46. <laughs> 46 years old. Now, I don't know the math, but how long have I known Jesus? I should be further along in this journey than when I started. I should be further in this journey than where I was yesterday or the day before. So what about you? What's your number? When did you come to faith in Christ in this spiritual journey? Because if a lot of us are honest, we can kind of get on this treadmill of life. Do a, I'm not doing bad things. I'm not, do, I'm not doing a lot. I come to church as many times as I can. I read my Bible when I can. But whatever God's calling, you still say no. You still are there, and you've not stepped out and done anything beyond what you really want to do. Let me say that again. You've not done anything outside of what you really want to do. This idea in verse 14 when he says he's comparing mature and, and, and immature believers. Verse 14, solid food is for the mature. But this is important. By constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Now this is so important here. That's why I'm going to hang out here and go quick on the rest of it. He's talking about obedience. He's talking about, if I could paraphrase, when lives are lived in disobedience, we don't train ourselves to know what's right and wrong. We, we find ourselves dabbling in disobedience, and then we wonder why there's nothing in us that wants to. When our, when our, when our want to is not there, it's because our, li- our lives are disobedience, in, in disobedience. <clears throat> and this is why I shared this in the very first sermon of this series, where Tozer says this quote, says, Probably the, the most widespread and persistent problem being found among Christians is this problem of delayed and slow spiritual progress. Why, after so many years of Christian profession, do so many persons find themselves no further along than when they first believed? Solid food is for the mature, who by constant training, constant use, have enabled themselves to live in obedience and not live in disobedience. You want to walk with intimacy with Jesus and grow spiritually, but you just aren't? Then maybe, I can tell my own testimony, maybe it's because our lives are not walking in obedience. There is never a time in my life, church, there has never been a time in my life when I've lived in disobedience where all of a sudden God calls and does something like, all right, let's go. It's always a no. It's always no. It's always backing off. It's always, well, that's not God. It's always something. It's in those moments where I'm, I'm, I'm close to him. I'm intimate to him. Last week, it's, that is the moments when God 
speaks in our response. And so what 14 is saying, if you want to become mature and understand these solid teachings of the word, the rich, nutritional, precious milk of the gospel, if I could use all this language, it's by constantly training ourselves in knowing the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, and living in obedience. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to know what is good and what is evil. And I made some notes here because sometimes these challenges, what we feed ourselves, what we, what, maybe what we watch, maybe our business practices, maybe we live our lives, the way we, the, the, maybe things, habits and hobbies and all these things that are like, if we're not careful, these things that we just kind of justify in lifestyles, that's what he's saying. You've trained yourself by something different. You're not trained ourselves by righteousness to want to step out in obedience. We trained ourselves to live lives the way that David wants to live, not the way that God's called us. And then we wonder, I wonder why I constantly say no, and I find myself living, if not careful, for 30, 40 years of these self-imposed limitations where I can know Jesus, step into this, but I can never walk in faithful obedience because I'm not trained myself by them. That's why John Piper says the pathway to maturity in solid biblical food, it's not first becoming an intelligent person or just studying, but becoming an obedient person. What speaking of that is like maybe if for us to diagnose if I'm gonna look at my life of man, I'm just not growing. I'm not spiritually maturing. I'm not, I'm not, my want to is not there. I'm just kind of spinning my wheels on the spiritual treadmill. I first, according to Hebrews, need to look at myself and say, are there areas of my life where I'm just kind of dabbling? things that God doesn't want. And my heart is longing for those things. The mature person trains themselves by constant use in righteousness. That's what the writer is trying to get them to understand. The solid food for the mature, those who have trained themselves by constant use. by it. And as we get into chapter 6, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, keep reading with me if you would. I think about this. I put in my notes here. It's kind of challenging. It's kind of hard to hear, but I just want you to say this. Don't, don't need to rationalize this. We don't need to convince ourselves. Maybe God is calling us to, to be a teacher, to be something else, or do step out in faith, obedience, or forgive, love, or go, or serve, or whatever that could be that's out there that you constantly said, no, that's not for me. That's somebody else's job. As we talked with the Rhinies about discipling our kids about the role of a husband, the role of a father, ah, that's not for me. That's not me. I constantly challenge dads, and we, me and Jace talk about this, about what it means for us to, to lead our families. We don't farm this out. It's not something that we do. Us as fathers, we, we got to raise our boys and, and our kids to do this. It's not something we farm out and just say, okay, the, that's the women's work. That's the wives' job. Us as a church, we're trying to, to raise up leaders and men in leadership, because not just because we don't have anybody else, but because we need people to step forward in conversations. We need men in the church to rise up and say, yeah, I've never done this. I've never led this way. I've never spoke. I've never prayed. I've never served. I've never done these things in certain areas, but we need people to step in. Because if not, we can find ourselves spinning our wheels, trying to find somebody else that we can live our whole lives in this church or whatever church and missing out on what God's called us to do. That's why the author says in chapter 6, let's keep going. This will go quick. He says, therefore, ooh, let's go. Let's get beyond these elementary teachings about Christ and to be taken forward in maturity, not laying again this foundation of repentance of, lead, of, of acts that lead to death, excuse me, <clears throat> in the faith of God and instruction of cleansing rites and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we'll do so. He's talking about some of these Jewish things that he doesn't want them to go back to. 
I don't have the time to get onto that or the voice to get into all that. But he's saying, let's move forward. Let's step into the future. Let's step forward of where God's calling us. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature and not just go back to these elementary things over and over and over again. I'll tell you this, and we'll go quickly after this. I'll tell you, I'm out of shape. I just kind of catch my breath. Wow. Wow. Um, I haven't been doing this very long compared to a lot of people. I've been in the ministry for 20 years, and I can't tell how many people from youth or whatever. I've talked to people that are in, that children, teenagers, and senior adults, all stages of life, that there's always an element or people that feel this angst of, I'm not where I need to be, I'm growing. There's something missing. There's something I'm not, there's not mature. I, I don't know. I don't have a desire to read the Bible. I don't have a desire. I don't really want to go to church. I don't really want to do this. I don't want to step out in faith. I know I should... I know I've been, I've been talking to this person. I know they don't know Jesus, and I'm kind of living the way they want to. There's nothing about Jesus that they see in me. I should, I should be more obedient. And we have all of these things, and it's this constant cycle of people that feel like they should be here, but they're not. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't. It doesn't matter the profession. It doesn't matter what you do. It is a constant cycle, just like in Hebrews, of people that feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere else, but I'm not. And they look at me, and they say, why? And I was like, I don't know. You're the pastor, you're supposed to have the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I could point you who does. I want to make up the statistic nine times out of ten. The majority of the time, as these conversations go, sometimes we find ourselves this stagnant apathy because of life, tragedy, struggles, or things that have happened that are not, they're, they're, I mean, they're real, excuse me, they're, they're real, they're authentic things that happen, and the enemy loves it. The enemy loves to come in and whisper and be like, see, that's the God you're going to step out for and God you're going to do and to get us to question who God is. He must be holding out on us. I'm not going to step out in faith for that. We find ourselves in the other conversations of those who are struggling as we have these conversations, be it teenagers or senior adults, maybe they're struggling with unforgiveness, maybe they're struggling with habits and hobbies that aren't, aren't, that aren't righteous, they're, they're living lives that are just not really honoring God, and then we get to the bottom of it, and they realize, yeah, I've been living for me. Every sentence out of my mouth is, I haven't been, I haven't been, I haven't been. And that's not even in my notes. That's just something I feel like God's telling me. It's like what we need to do is get what is he doing, what he has done. You see, that I'm going to try to save my voice, but in verses 4, <clears throat> four through 6, he's going to talk about how those that have been enlightened, those have that you, you can't go back. Those that have tasted of the goodness, they won't come back to repentance again. And he's not talking about struggles and, and those that are struggling in the faith. He's talking about those who have, that, have, that have seen all of who Jesus is and they say, no, I don't want that. It's a highly debated text, but he's not talking about people that are struggling with faith. He's saying those who have seen this, he's talking to a church and people that are thinking about, I'm going to go back to this Judaism stuff. This, this is actually better. What he's telling them is this, in just feel the angst of this, please. I'm sweating and I'm about to lose my voice. But what he's telling them in the lies, in the moments, in the spiritual treadmill, he's telling them, you better get a hold of this. Because some of you are thinking about abandoning it all and leaving it. I've also talked to people that have left the faith, left the church, left Jesus, and they're doing something different right now. He's, he's trying to rattle them and say, please understand this. And he uses, in verse 7, a, an agricultural metaphor about land that drinks of rain, about those who reject Jesus. They're going to prove themselves to not know him. <clears throat> but 
But this land in verse produces thorns and thistles is worthless. Those who have rejected the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. For time and voice, I want to look at verse 9 if you would, please. Just, this is what I want to focus on. <coughs> please, please read verse 9. <clears throat> he softens it a little bit. That's what us pastors do sometimes. We, you know, we, want it, we want to rattle it and get it, but then he's like, oh, okay, I love you. Listen to what he says in verse 9. You can see the softening of it. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. We're convinced that this may not be your case. The things that have to do with salvation, God is not unjust. He will not forget the work that you have shown him and your love for him as you have helped people and come to know him. Look at verse 11. This is important. We want each of you, First Baptist Olton, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We don't want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. What is he saying? He's saying, I don't, don't quit. Don't, don't be lazy. Don't be apathetic. Don't get acclimated. Don't get so comfortable, may I say this, don't get so lulled in your pew of life, whatever that means, that in your comfort zones, don't miss it. Don't do it. That's what he's saying. I want you to show the same diligence to the very end until your race is over. Don't be lazy. Imitate those. And he tells them, I love verse 12, because there's a desire for us. I think about the baby dedication, how things are caught versus taught. How so many things of raising kids, they're not all just what we say. Our kids are smart. They watch. They know. They know what's important to us. They know what we value. They know if Jesus is important or not. They know that. Do youth ministry for a while. You'll figure it out when teenagers are like, my parents don't care about the church. My parents don't care about Jesus. They want me to go, but they're not going it happens. Kids are smart. They figure it out. Caught versus taught. And look what he says in verse 12. Don't become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience were him what is fully been promised. He looks around. He wants you to imitate. around. Look around. There are those in the faith. So maybe you're stagnant. Look to those. Maybe there's somebody to look up to. There's somebody further in the journey that you're saying, man, I want to be like that. There's plenty in this church. I look at it and think, man, if I can be half as faithful as them. If I can be half as obedient, that's what I want to be. Find them, talk with them, pray with them. But you see what I just did? <laughs> I, just, I just asked you to do something that may be uncomfortable. Because even right then, some of you are like, that's, oh, no, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you had me, Pastor, but now I ain't doing that. Look around. There's, is there somebody that, man, I want, I want to be like him or her. I want to imitate them. My challenge today is this, myself at the top of the list, that we not be comfortable or lazy. But I ask you that you look at your spiritual journey. Nobody else, not your spouses, not your kids, not that kind. Of, I want to think about you. What, what is God calling of you? Many of you know it right now. You know exactly what, what it is. It could be something. Maybe it's something that you haven't done, something that you struggle with, something that maybe obedience or faithfulness or the church or serving or going or get, whatever. It could be anything. Forgiveness. It, it could be whatever. And you've driven excuse me, drawing these lines. He said, God, I will follow, but it's right here. I ain't doing it outside that. I go back to Stephen that I said earlier. 
For somebody that I think is probably one of the most, um, how do I say this, uh, biggest blessings probably in my life, I always called him the unpaid youth pastor, I was like, man, we'd go to camps and I'd go, I was like, he ever, everywhere I went, he was there. He was a snowboard, snowboarding cowboy, he, ever went, he went on ski trips and he did all this kind of, I was like, man, I look at him and I mean this with almost, there was nothing special about Stephen, Nothing. I love him dearly. I mean, but there was nothing about him. It's like, man, you are, everything about you is, wow. No, but he was willing. He was willing to step in and say, okay. I said this earlier. God may have used somebody else along the line to fill in the gap where Stephen might have said no, but he didn't. Stephen would have missed out on that. The church would have missed out on that of 25 years and then some of somebody pouring into the lives of kids, pouring into the church, serving over and over and over. And it all started it all started because he said, okay. God called him beyond his comfort zone. He called him to grow beyond where you're comfortable, to step out. And my question today is this. Here's the bottom line, and I'm done. The, this church doesn't need Stevens. There's, there's a Stephen already. But this church needs you. Period. This church needs you. The people in your life need you. God needs you. He'll do it without you, but he needs you. He wants you. He wants to include you in that. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what God might be calling. I bet some of you probably do. <clears throat> but I know this. When I started this series, we looked at 1 Peter about, if we're not careful, we can become ineffective and unproductive. We could be religious, we could go to church, we could do a lot of God things and, and, and just do things, but in the spiritual realm, if we're not careful, we can be active and productive for the things of God. Lord, please help us not be that. So I do not know where or what God's calling you to. I don't, but I know he's calling you. The truth is, is that you have to decide, just like I do, in those moments where he says, David, go. David, speak. David, stop. David, stay. David, you need to forgive. David, you need to love. You need to go. You need to do these things. We have to decide if we're going to willingly obey and say yes, or we're going to push back and say no. So I'm going to ask you to bow where you're at for just a second. Before we sing our last song, before we do anything like that, I just want to take just a moment. With every head up by every eye closed, I'm not going to ask you to do anything or anything like that. But what I am going to ask you is this, is that right now in your heart of hearts, young or old, it doesn't matter. You, there may be something God's bringing to the surface, something in your life. I could give you examples if you need them, but I'm not. That God is calling you out. He's asking you to move. He's asking you to go. He's asking you to, to, to be. And you've got all the great excuses in the world. That may be what comes next. Would you take just a second before we sing our last song and we're done? Would you just let the Spirit of God speak to you today? Maybe you're a teenager in the room and you're thinking, man, this whole Jesus stuff's kind of, I'm not sure. I've kind of been pushing it away. Maybe you're, you're an adult 
and you're raising kids, and you're like, man, I'm just overwhelmed and stressed, and God's been asking me to do some things, and I just don't know what. Maybe you're wrestling in relationships. Maybe life's great. I don't know. But whatever it is, would you ask God to move and to call you out into obedience and that you would take the step? Because as soon as we pray and as soon as we leave, we're going to go on to life and it's going to get busy again. But in this moment, this sanctified moment right now, nobody looking around just praying, there may be something God's asking of you. My only request is that you would say yes, obey. Whatever he's asking you to do, to go, to serve, to be, to become, to love, whatever that is. Take just a second. continue to pray and the praise team is going to begin our final song I just want you to stay where you're at and stay seated and if the Lord leads you want to stand up please stand up if you want to come down and pray if you want to come kneel whatever you want to do this is your time just respond the praise team is going to sing this is your time just respond